Welcome to part one of Health System CIO's Health IT Influencers series featuring Carla Smith. In this segment, Smith talks about the very careful approach that must be taken to successfully drive change, how mastering active listening skills can help increase understanding and build trust, and the things that excite her and scare her about the startup revolution in healthcare. The following Health System CIO podcast is brought to you by LK, a nationwide leader in healthcare connectivity. Decommission your legacy systems with LK Archive. All systems, all data, one consolidated solution. Retain 100% of your legacy data at 20% of the cost with LK Archive. For more information, visit lk.com. That's E-L-L-K-A-Y dot com. So I think that this will be really fun. Um, I want to get into a lot of your career, your time with Hims, how the industry has changed, and also looking at what you're doing now. Well, I'm, I'm delighted to have the conversation. Okay. I want to start by talking about your time with Hims. So much went on there, so much to talk about. But one of the things that's really interesting to me is how you were able to navigate that growth. Obviously, it's always a concern if an organization is growing too fast or just getting too big. And how is that something that that you approached from a leadership standpoint? I've thought a lot about that case because the growth that we experienced for about a 12-year period, as I look back on it, that's a kind of growth that numerous companies have not been able to survive. Yeah. So I thought about, okay, so what what was it that went right for us? I have a couple of thoughts on that. One is that for many years it was a it was a three person leadership team. There was mm-hmm. Nora Sorms and myself reporting to Steve Lieber. And that's how it was for the number of years. And my skills and Steve's skills and Norris's skills were complementary. We did not overlap. Sometimes you end up with a management team that is very heavily weighted towards, for example, Kate, um, financial skills, right? But they are very skimpy on their human and interpersonal skills. We were very well balanced in that. So that was an asset. Another one is that we were unafraid of change. Hmm. And... I can't remember who it was who came up with this, but it somehow got into the vernacular of hymns at that time. If you were uncomfortable with change, we were not the group for you. No harm, no foul if you weren't. Just we want to be very clear up front because we are chameleons, and I promise you it's going to change, and it's going to change dramatically, and it's going to change almost without warning. Right. If that works for you, then it might be a good fit. And for me, that's giving candy to a baby. I mean, I just, I love that kind of environment. (laughs) Right. Um, So that was the second one. Uh, A third one was there was an environment that that we created where the norm was to challenge. We created a norm where people could speak truth to power. I'm sure that that can get challenging, though. Yeah, it can get sure. very challenging, and it, it's really hard to inculcate and live that. I believe that that is a core part of, of my leadership, is that I want people around me who 
believe that I will listen to them when they speak truth to power. And I want to be part of an environment where I will be at least given the respect of voicing truth to power. doesn't mean, you know, that you always get your way for crying out loud, but you've got to be in an environment where truth can be spoken. Right. And certainly that involves putting aside a certain amount of of ego as a leader and, you know, really being willing to hear what can be tough conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And a, a fourth component is the ability to leave behind, to stop doing what isn't working out. That one's really hard too. People like to keep doing the same thing over and over again because they get good at it. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that the outcome is what you need. And to make those leadership decisions where figuratively you can't buy enough buckets to hold people's tears as you leave something behind. (laughs) Um, But sometimes you, as a leader, you have to do it in order to grow. Sure. The last point you talked about is, is something that a lot of leaders in this industry struggle with. And you can understand why, you know, especially when you're talking about healthcare organizations where IT and other departments are asked, are being asked to do so much. Resources are stretched. And I think that can make it even more difficult to say, okay, now, now we're going to, to throw a change into the mix. And is that something you've come across that really tends to be a challenge? It's a huge challenge. It's a huge challenge. I want to be careful, again, on choosing language. There's um, practices or activities or areas of focus that have become habitual that no one even questions or looks at anymore. Those are exactly what leaders need to be looking at. Right. And sometimes it's a shock to the system because it has become part of the wallpaper of the organization. You don't even see it anymore. Yeah. And when someone says, we're not going to do that anymore the way that we have done it, or we're not going to do that anymore, that can be very disturbing to staff. And so a leader needs to be able to simultaneously share the vision of what can happen when we let go of those things and what is the path that we're going to take to get us there. Because you can't just tell people that this thing that has become habituated, it isn't going to be done anymore because people feel a lot of ownership in this stuff, right? You have to give them hope that they will have a future in this new reality and that you will support them in, in becoming competent in this new stuff. In order for people to follow, they have to believe in you as the leader. Yeah. That brings up uh, an interesting point about, about trust, too. And obviously, it's something that can't happen right away, but, but the importance of building that trust. And how do you think leaders can, what do you think they can do to really build that trust with their team? Sure. So, Kate, one thing is tell the truth. Right. Another one is give the amount of information that is needed at that time, which is a value judgment made from experience plus smarts to give enough information so that your team will follow you, but not so much information that you either 
open up a possibility for competitors to understand everything about what you're planning on doing, or mm -hmm. you frighten your team, right. right? So you give them the information that's needed at the time. Another one is listen and uh, demonstrate active listening skills. So for example, mm -hmm. Kate, if you and I were talking and I was explaining something new or different to you, I would ask you, what kind of questions do you have for me? Could you say back to me what you think you heard me say? Right, and then right. I would listen to what you're saying, and I would respond by saying, okay, Kate, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're asking me blah de blah de blah right. And then you would say, yes. Or you'd say, well, not exactly. Oh, okay. And we'd get to the place where you believe that I understand what you're saying to me or what you're asking me, that is going to increase my trustworthiness and my integrity in your eyes because I took the time to hear what you were trying to say. It doesn't mean I agree with you, but I am respecting that you have a point of view and you have questions. Hmm. Yeah, that seems like a relatively simple way to get through some of the communication hurdles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's one that takes a lot of practice, and there are, there are some key things around it. To the best that you can, checking judgment at the door so that you can hear what somebody is trying to say to you and resist becoming defensive. Right. Another one is to try to find words other than why and should because those are often heard as judgmental words and mm. get in the way of communication. So there, there are some very tangible skills to learn in order to become an, an active listener. Right. Yeah, some really important skills and honed over time, I'm sure, through, yeah. through different experiences. Yeah. 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 And you talked about how for a long period of time, there were three people who really worked together well. And as we know, that's not always the case. And so I'm sure that that's a really big challenge, either with somebody new is thrown into the mix or that rhythm is kind of disturbed. And yes. how can leaders kind of deal with that in, in the best way possible? Yes, you're absolutely right, because I, I have lived that. Certainly to the extent that the ultimate leader can, involving his or her direct reports in a change to the team will increase the probabilities of success because then the direct reports can join in the buy-in and can join in helping the new person succeed. Mm -hmm. And to the extent that the existing direct reports can have some type of say in how the responsibilities will be shifted and reallocated. Again, really helps with buy-in. And then another one is to be very clear as the leader that you believe in the existing people and you believe in the new person and you are committed to finding a healthy new normal for the group and you will work with the individuals in order to create that healthy new environment. Right. And then demonstrate it with your actions. Take time for the team building. Take time for the arguments and the disagreements and it all. And stay focused on that North Star of 
we will come out the other end and we're going to be a stronger team for it. It's really interesting. And um, I know that you were involved in, in a lot of different areas during that time. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones I wanted to talk about was startup. And this has become so interesting. They've really taken on a more different role in the industry. So I guess I would start first with what, what made you want to, to get involved with that particular area? I pay attention, Kate, and mm-hmm. I, could, I could see a change occurring. There were little companies bubbling up that I had not experienced before. And mm-hmm. I saw that as an opportunity to pay attention to because inside startups could be really interesting new ideas that were right. worthy of observation and discussion. Right. And because of the bully pulpit that I had and because of the leadership team that I was a part of, which, which emphasized and supported new ideas and testing things and piloting things, I could do it. So I did. Yeah. And when, when you look at the impact that, that they've had already, what, what do you think we will continue to see uh, as far as, as startups? I mean, that there's obviously some risk involved, but there is also, as you alluded to, some really bright ideas that could be game changers. So what do you think uh, we're going to start to see going forward? Yeah, so I have, a, I have an even richer perspective now that I have transitioned into a new phase of my career. Mm-hmm. And I've got private equity client uh, that I'm engaged with. I'm engaged with early stage companies. I'm working with a couple of different funds. So I'm now seeing an even richer side of this. So there are, yeah. there are several things that I see going on. One is that it's very, very clear to me that it is not enough to have a great idea. Right. You also need to have an effective management team structure in place. You need to have a story to tell that is compelling to get you paying clients. And you need some type of evidence that your product or service actually works. And that can take the form of a use case or a case study depending upon the type of startup that you are, if you have aspirations, if it's something that's eventually going to have to go through FDA approval, you need much more than that. You need scientifically defensible evidence. Right. And oftentimes, earlier stage companies, all of those items are aspirational goals versus what they're working on right now. Right, right. And as we start to see more startups pop up, are there concerns you have as far as whether these are sustainable or, or whether they are being approached uh, in the most effective way? I do question their sustainability. I remain an optimist. I think it's fantastic for the health sector to have so much innovation in it. Right. It's very simultaneously incredibly challenging because so much innovation can end up as confusing noise. Yeah. You don't know where to turn. You don't know who to listen to. You don't know who to believe. So it's a yin and a yang. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes 
at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.